welcome to Real Personal Finance. I'm your host, Scott Frank, CFP, CFA charter holder, and founder of Stone Steps Financial. And I'm your host, James Canole, CFP, MBA, and owner of Root Financial Partners. The premise of our show is simple. Money can be confusing, but it doesn't have to be. Our goal is to answer real personal financial questions that we hear from our clients and our listeners. Each episode, we answer one personal financial question in a clear and understandable way. Because money is a tool. And when you understand the language of money, you can make better decisions to improve your financial life. Hi, James. Hi, Scott. Oh, <laughs> you were really loud there. I think I could hear you clearly, though. Oh. We want to we thank our listener for letting us know that our audio was horrific last week, and we apologize to you all. I think the past few weeks. Very sorry. Coronavirus. Yeah, but we're, we're going to bring it do a little better for you this week. But James, I, what a week. This is our, will be our 50th episode. Yeah. Happy birthday. Yeah. I, I enjoy looking I, longingly into your eyes from afar. Yeah. Video. Yes. The pleasure is all mine. Yeah. Yeah. It started as just a project to say, hey, what, whatever questions we hear from clients and friends and anyone else um, is turned into something that that's, has some staying power. So thank yeah. you to all our listeners for listening and submitting questions <laughs> and for being with us on the journey. And we hope to improve and continue to just make more and more valuable content as we go. It's been lots of fun. And uh, uh, we're almost a year in, like 20, almost 24,000 downloads. Like hopefully people have learned something and put things to work. Yeah, We love your questions. Keep them coming. And we have a new question for today. You want to read it or you want me to read it? Well, read I, just, it. I just want to let people know we're just going to, we're going to predict the future today. Yes. We turned 50 weeks old and, and we now have predictive powers. Yeah. So we think. So Once let's read the question. Episodes, you're, you, can, you can understand the future. Okay. I read the question, so, you predict. Okay. Okay. That sounds good. So here's the question. This is a question about Social Security. I recently read that it is likely that Social Security benefits will be cut by up to 25% by the year 2030 because of the national debt further accelerated by the pandemic. If this becomes true, would it make sense to take Social Security benefits at age 62 instead of waiting until full retirement age if one can capture three to four years of more benefits before Social Security is reduced? So I think two parts to that question. Number one, what's going to happen to Social Security? What's up with this? And how has the current crisis accelerated or exasperated that? And yeah. then number two, what's, how does that change your strategy as you approach retirement and as you approach collecting Social Security? Yep. And what this listener ran across was a uh, piece that came out through um, the Wharton School of Business. And it was essentially looking at, well, with all of these people out of work, um, clearly there's less money going into social security. So will that change when social security will run dry, when the trust fund, the money that we put in on an annual basis just won't be here anymore? Um, right. what, what was the overview of that paper? The overview of that paper and even to take a big step back is, is social security was already projected to run the, the trust social security trust was, was projected to run dry. Now yep. it was projected to run dry by about 2036 and what this paper was was saying was not necessarily that Social Security is going to run dry and that's a big shock. I, I think that was known. It was just the fact that because so many people are unemployed and because so many people aren't paying into Social Security right now, <laughs> it will now run dry between 2032 and 2034 as opposed to 
potentially remaining solvent until 2036. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, let's go bit really, really big picture for one minute. Uh, <laughs> when, was, when was Social Security started? 1935. Right. And what was the life expectancy of someone in 1935? If at birth, you were expected to live until about age 60. Yeah. 61, yeah, I think. 60, is what 61. Said. Yeah. And now the, everyone's living into essentially in, into their 80s is kind of like life expectancy. Right. Right. So you just the, run into a situation. No, go yeah. Ahead. I was going to say the other little kicker about Social Security, because we're thinking about, you know, we're hearing about this, it's going to run dry. Well, everyone who's still working is going to keep paying into that system. And that money gets used to pay for people who are already retired. That's just the right. way the fund was set up initially. Um, the other component to remember there is um, when it was started. Now, I'm not going to give the like 1940s, 1940s stats because there were still a lot of people not on Social Security yet. But once you had a generation on Social Security, about six workers were helping fund one retiree. And now we're at a place where less than that one retiree has less than three people supporting them. Right. So you're at this kind of position where it's going to become troublesome for a longer period of time. We just said the average worker, when this was instituted, was essentially supposed to be dead when they started getting benefits. Mm -hmm. um, and now you also have less people helping fund the benefits. So something's going to have to give. Right. Yeah, you this, know it's going to run out. It just doesn't do it faster because of the pandemic. And, and it, as you mentioned, because of those things you just mentioned, it should come as no surprise. The fact that Social Security was created at a time when demographics looked a lot different, uh, when just the people collecting looked a lot different and how long they would collect it for, the system then just in no way would be able to support the system now. Just the way the demographics work, people living longer, fewer people paying in compared to the people collecting. And so there was going to come a point when the, the benefits weren't cut to zero because as long as people are still working and paying into Social Security, you know, when you earn a paycheck, you look at your pay stub and a percentage of what you earn goes to pay Social Security and Medicare. As long as you have people that continue to do that, Social Security recipients will receive some benefit. The projection, yeah. though, is they'll receive about 75% of what they would have received had they looked at their statement today and seen what they're projected to get versus what they might actually get when the trust is depleted. Yep. So what do we do? You're, you're going to make some bold predictions. You told me what's, what are some of those yeah. predictions? How long will today, this last? Today we get to predict the future. <clears throat> um, I mean, we, we don't really know what's going to happen in the future, right? Obviously. Um, I think there's a couple of interesting ideas though. One is we can look at what are the things that the government can do to change the benefit formula um, which, you know, the, the kind of the most drastic cut that we're looking at is nothing changes. So the moment you get to the trust fund going dry, everyone gets a haircut of, as the, the um, question eluded, 25%. What can you do to make that not be as bad, one? Um, and then two, is, is there anything that you can do to like increase revenue for the, the program to make it so that you can keep funding it um, for the people who really need it? Um, and then I think, you know, we could get into it maybe a little bit. I think really this is going to come down to the intent of social security when it was established was for during the industrial revolution to make it so that people who could no longer go and work weren't destitute, right? It was designed mm -hmm. to be a social program and we've kind of converted it into a retirement program. Mm -hmm. Um, but we kind of have to look at it for, through the lens of like, who's this for, who's it prop up? 
and, and what does it need to do? And that's where you're probably going to see some of these like things on, well, maybe you could, you could help make uh, people at higher incomes paying more and things like that. So we can dive into all that stuff. And, and what'll be fun is the unpacking of it will be really difficult because it will require an act of Congress to change this. And the only way that will happen is if there's a real crisis happening with it mm-hmm. so that they actually go and act. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that's why, because we don't know what's going to change. I think we probably both have our own opinions on what's going to change, but there, there's so many things that could change. And in fact, things have changed in the past. It used to be social security, your full retirement age was age 65. So when right. you're 65, that's when you could collect your full benefit. Those yep. ages have now been pushed back to between 66 and 67. Um, yes. Other modifications have been made. So this isn't the first time that we've come across this issue of something needs to happen to keep social security solvent. And as we look forward, something again is going to have to happen if we want to keep Social Security solvent. And, and some of the options aren't going to be very popular. But just looking at what things looked like 80 years ago versus what things look like now, uh, some unpopular things are probably going to have to be done if you want to maintain the system in any semblance of what it looks like today. Yep. So why don't we talk about um, first is <clears throat> you could do something like change the age of full retirement again, right? Yeah. Yeah. Now, if they if they do go and do that, I don't think they will do. They will grand. I, my assumption is this, I believe this is what happened last time. They will grandfather in people who are nearing retirement, who are planning on getting a benefit at a specific time and age. Right. So, in other words, if you're 64 and planning to collect at 66, they're not going to say, "Hey, Scott, by the way, you can't collect until 70 now." It's more right. like if you're 50 and planning to collect at 65, 66, they might say, "For anyone under age." 50 or anyone under age 55, we're pushing back your retirement ages until this time to give you some time to plan for that. Right, right. That that would be, to me, that would make a lot of sense. Now, and the reason that makes sense is because incentives drive people, in my mind, and the number one driver for most people in office is they want to get reelected. And guess who votes more often than anyone else? People who are older and near retirement. Mm-hmm. Um, it's typically what happens. So you're not going to go upset that, that core demographic of people. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the whole take my social security debate, right? Well, they're not going to take your social security. If you're near retirement, they're going to take the next generations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So pushing back ages and, and you can make, I would think my opinion, a logical argument for that. People are living 20 years longer. Uh, does it make sense to push the ages out a little bit to account for that? As you mentioned, Absolutely. this isn't designed to be your retirement plan. This is designed to be somewhat of a social safety net that, that you can use and you can plan wisely to, to use it in your retirement, um, but push that age back a little bit to be, make sure that people who really need it still have it there for them. Yep. And the um, <clears throat> you know, there's actually a really cool tool that we'll link to um, in from the committee for responsible federal budget that looks at the things you can do. Yeah. Well, that's why we'll link to it. Um, some think tank about things that you can do to help kind of stabilize social security. And one of the first places you can go is just increase retirement age. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah. So another thing you can do is it's something that we already do is, make it so that the more you earn, the less benefit you get. And some people will call this means testing in the future because means testing, they may even say we fully take it away or we take away more of your benefit. But higher earners get a lesser share for every dollar they put in than um, lower income earners. Just Mm -hmm. the way it works. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
And so continuing that you're saying just means test it even more so. Yeah. Slow, slow the growth of the benefits for the people who make more money. Mm-hmm. If you do that, you're, you know, you just, you essentially make it so that um, if you earn more and are higher income, you're going to get less of this benefit. Mm-hmm. That is one mm-hmm. way to do this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, another thing that's that's likely or that a lot of people talk about is right now, Social Security, you pay Social Security taxes, which is 6.2% to you and 6.2% to your employer. You pay that on the first $137,700 of income that you earn. Yeah. So round, I'm going to round that to 138000 just to because it's a mouthful to say the full amount. But if you earn 138000 you pay 6.2%. Your employer pays 6.2%. Any dollar you pay above that, you still pay Medicare taxes, which are 1.45% to both you and your employer, but there's no more Social Security taxes. A lot of Wait, people say- <clears throat> Medicare taxes aren't capped? They don't end once you make Medicare a certain level of income? Medicare taxes are not tapped. Are not so tapped. What, what, if in a, what if in a moment of, of crisis- the Congress decided they were going to lift the caps on social security revenue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's something a lot of people talk about. I, I don't think it'd be very popular. It, is, it would essentially be a, a 12% tax on income above 138,000, but that would certainly have a huge impact on yep. would it fund social security? Yeah. And as we mentioned, some of these things aren't going to be popular. It's going to be a, a debate between what is the right solution here, but that would certainly alleviate a lot of the pressure on the system. If they did that alone, um, if this estimator is correct, that would move <laughs> out the trust fund to, to 2063. Meaning instead of running out in 2035, it would run right. out, what, 30 years later? Right. Yeah, it's a yeah. long time. Mm-hmm. It's a long time. Yeah. To me, I feel like the fix that Congress will eventually give us will be a kick the can down the road fix. It won't be a it's fully sustainable for the rest of, for its entirety fix. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't seem like that's what they like to do. Mm -hmm. And and at the same time, it's kind of hard to like, I don't think 80 years ago, you would have predicted that we're having the challenges we're having today. People living so much longer. You didn't didn't think that uh, you'd be, you'd be doing like, yeah, video calls with, uh, with your telehealth medicine, living into your eighties, and having someone deliver groceries to your door. That was yeah. not part, that was not thought about when this plan was developed. Right, right. Yeah. So how do you fix it one generation or two generations at a time without uh, seriously burdening generations beyond that is probably a difficult problem, but something mm-hmm. they're going to have to come up with. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so I think, and, and as you mentioned, Scott, we'll link to this cool, this, this tool is really cool. You can kind of play, uh, you can play around with this and see how would different things, whether you're pushing out the ages, whether raising taxes, whether decrease or eliminating the wage base cap, you can see in real time, again, assuming these, the, the inputs are accurate, what impact that would have in terms of sustaining the longevity of social security. So we'll link to this so people can play around on their own. Uh, but I think at the end of the day, What's happening today with coronavirus and fewer people paying into Social Security isn't necessarily creating a Social Security crisis, but it's maybe expediting the time until some of these solutions will have to be presented in order to to keep it going longer than it's currently projected to. Right. But let's, uh, you know, there's another component to the listener's question, and I want to make sure we answer it. Yes. And so my 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 thought is so far, like, um, I have, a, I would 
you never can obviously we can't predict the future we're gonna we're trying to do it right here but my assumption would be that if you're within a decade of retirement they are going to be hard pressed to change the system on you it's probably going to get changed on other people Mm -hmm. um but her the the question from the listener was about if this is going to happen should i take my benefit early at 62 when they wouldn't get full retirement age probably until 67 right or mm-hmm. should they or should they wait to take it at 67 right and what are your thoughts on that cuz i have thoughts on it but i'd love to hear your point of view yeah i have i have a few thoughts number 1 it, there's other variables that you have to consider first being the earnings limit so if you take mm-hmm. a social security benefit at age 62 I forget the exact number, but you can't earn more than about $15,000 or so without having your social security benefit limited. So mm-hmm. it's, it's going to inhibit your ability to keep working if you choose to keep doing so at that point. Um, and so that's kind of the first negative. The yep. second thing is I don't think it's going to be a situation, as you just mentioned, where you work and you plan to collect it at 62 and then all of a sudden benefits just drop off a cliff, not drop, you know, drop by 25%. It's not going to be a situation where you have no forewarning and all of a sudden the government just says, wages or, or income is dropped across the board by 25%. You're going to have time to plan for this. You're going to have, I think, forewarning about this. So I mm-hmm. wouldn't make uh, kind of an impulsive decision to to do something that's going to permanently lock in a lower benefit because it might give you another three to four years of, of slightly higher income. <clears throat> I don't think that's going to be the case. So I think we'll see, again, we don't know what's going to happen and it's hard to give direction without knowing how things will unfold, but I would probably caution against planning for this because I think something will happen that will lead to better planning opportunities. Those are excellent points. And I would add to that this social security, the longer you can delay from the moment you're allowed to receive a benefit, the more beneficial that benefit is for the rest of your life. Right. So at age 62, someone who has full retirement age right now, born 1960 or later, full retirement age is now going to be, is age 67. And at 62, you can start claiming, but you will only get 70% of your full retirement benefit. Right. So for every year you wait, you get an extra 6% of your benefit until you reach full retirement age. And then once you've reached age 67, if you're continued and you're willing to wait, you get an extra 8% per year. Right. Until you finally get 124% of your benefit at age 70. Right. And to me, if you're doing really good planning from a, a retirement planning standpoint, this is one area where you can actually guarantee yourself a rate of return. Now, granted, the government could go undo your 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 benefit that could potentially happen, but I have I I still come back to feeling I think it's going to be hard pressed for them to take the benefit away from someone who already has it in hand, versus like you know I'm 40 so they can take it away from me and it's no big deal to them. I have a lot of time to figure it out before I turn 70, mm-hmm. right? So so I think that um, recognizing that that benefit of the the adjustment that happens year over year can be just as impactful as a slice. Because, you know, if you go back to the concept, the question, take it at 62, knowing that in a few years, my, my benefit's going to get cut by 25, 25%. Well, if you start at a lower benefit and then it gets cut by 25%, that can be worse off for you than waiting until you get to the 100% benefit. Yeah. And then taking that for the rest of your life. Yeah. Yeah. E- even if you looked at that, just 
75% of whatever your benefit would be between 67 and 70 is still going to be a higher amount than what 100% of your benefit would be at age 62, not to mention it would then also drop by 25%, you know, according to this, this listener's question, which I think is a very right. good question. And a lot of people echo similar sentiments when it's like, hey, should I, should I take what I can while it's there? Who knows right. what's going to happen? And I think it's the, the, a good first thought. It definitely makes sense to consider that. But we also have to take into account the long-term implications of that. And the long-term implications probably aren't very good if you collect early and then you're locked into that low benefit. It just doesn't help you much over time. Exactly. So that, that's, that's to, to fully round out that question, that's where I would land with it as well. Yeah. That's, um, but yeah, so we'll link to show notes so you guys can all go play with how you would solve the social security funding so that you have an understanding of the, the switches and, uh, and levers that Congress can pull to, uh, to get us to a better place in the yeah. future. Yep. Absolutely. Well, thank you for predicting this, the future. It's enlightening. Yeah, no problem. So my, my prediction is that they're going to just lift those caps in mm. the future. That's my mm-hmm. prediction. Now, mm-hmm. I will probably be wrong, but I'm going to be convicted in my prediction until I'm wrong. Well, when we do episode number 2,340 or whatever it would be by the time that change is made, <laughs> we'll come yes. back to this prediction and see what happened. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Looking forward to it. Awesome. Thanks, Scott. All right. Have a good one. You too. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Real Personal Finance Podcast. If you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe. And if you've not already done so, please leave us a review. More reviews help more people to find our show. And we really enjoy when you review us. If you have a question, as always, that you'd like for us to answer, then go to the Real Personal Finance website at realpersonalfinance.co. There's a section on the bottom of each page there where you can submit your own question that Scott and I will answer on a future episode. Thank you again for listening, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and should not be relied upon for a basis for investment decision. This podcast is not engaged in rendering legal, financial, or other professional services.